Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the ahs. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to the Philly Sports Power Hour with Bill Calarulo on this beautiful Wednesday in Philadelphia. Trade deadline. We're getting close for the 76ers. So we're going to do a lot of Sixers talk today. Joel had his surgery. We'll talk about that. We're going to be joined later in the show like we are every Wednesday by Kayla Santiago, who does a great job covering the Sixers for us. So we're going to talk to her. I'm sure she is heartbroken. We know how much she loves Joel Embiid. So we're going to talk to her. We'll do some Eagles talk today as well. And we have to talk about, I know not all of you are Flyers fans, but our Fly guys back in action last night, big win. Big win for the Flyers, getting back in the winning column. So we're going to talk about that as well. But it's good to see everybody. We'll do a little Eagles talk. But I see the Power Hour crew checking in nice and early. Let's get a little roll call from some of the Power Hour crew. And again, we are streaming live across the Jacob Sports Network, but we are also live on all my social media channels. So make sure you are following and subscribed everywhere, wherever you're watching. We're also live on TikTok, so make sure you're following me and subscribed on all those platforms, and make sure you're following Jacob as well. But let's get the roll call. I see Wine Niners Wine in the house. Barzi answered this question and wonder your thoughts. What did Brian Johnson lead offense due to Vic Fangio defense a couple of months ago? Good point. I know you're talking about what the, the game against the Miami Dolphins. In the beginning of the season, actually wasn't a bad offense. You know, we look at that Philadelphia Eagles offense. The numbers were there. The statistics were there. Just something seemed off. But continuing with the roll call, Teresa Pascarello, Rob from Temple. Nice cans in the house. Flexing and stepping. David Laprati, Jason A-Team, MC, Stan Bruce, Steve Rofo, my man. Philly 007, Twiz. And Jason A-Team wants to talk about TK's goal last night. What a goal. But let's jump in. We're gonna Let's jump in. Let's do some Flyers talk to start. Let's get to the Flyers because they had lost five in a row right before the All-Star break. After winning five in a row, they lose five in a row. Their biggest losing streak or longest losing streak, I should say, of the season. And people on TikTok, we're not going live together, so stop asking. But they bounced back last night. They come out in the first period against the Florida Panthers, who are a good team. Panthers are 31-15-4 now. A really good team. Fly guys come out in the first period. It looked like, oh, boy. 
Here we go. But whatever John Tortorella said to them at intermission, it worked because they came out in the second period and they played a really good second and third period in that game. And you look at that goal, and I see people talking about Travis Konechny's goal. Everything about that goal, from Walker's long pass to Farabee, Farabee with the beautiful saucer pass right on the stick, and TK with the smooth hands, just boop, boop. Man, TK's playing well, man. Only all-star for this Flyers team, but that little, like, rat he used to be, Trying to stir the pot. He now scores, too. Love Travis Konechny. But Flyers went 2-1. to one. Noah Cates gets a goal. He hadn't scored in a long time. He scores in the third period. But I thought the best stat of that entire game. In the third period, the Flyers only surrendered three shots. That's John Tortorella hockey right there. Blocking shots, preventing teams from getting offense chances. So let's hope, because it is a tight Metropolitan. The Flyers are third place in the Metro right now. If the playoffs started today, they'd be in. But it is a tight, tight race. You look at the teams right on their heels, no guarantees the Fly guys make the playoffs. And if you heard John Tortorella, I think they played it at one of the intermissions, but if you heard John Tortorella pregame talking about the trade deadline, we've talked about this before. This team isn't going to be buyers at the deadline. If they get the right package, if a team approaches them with the right package that can make them better in the future, they're going to do it. So we can't fall in love with this team as much as we want to fall in love with this team. And there's a lot of guys I like on this team. There's a chance at the trade deadline come next month that some of these guys aren't going to be here because the Flyers have their eyes set on the future. And it's frustrating as it is because we all want to see a playoff run. We all want to see NHL playoffs back in South Philly. I do think this is the prudent choice. Don't worry about this season. We've got ourselves in trouble. The Flyers organization has gotten themselves in trouble year after year just going for it that season without an eye on the future. So I'm okay with it. It's going to be frustrating at the trade deadline to see some of these guys get dealt. But I'm okay with it. I would rather build a contender that contends for years as opposed to making a run just this season with the team they have. So be on the lookout for that. So that's the fly, guys. But their trade deadline isn't for a month. The NBA trade deadline is tomorrow. So we've been talking a lot about this the last couple of days. What should Daryl Morey and the 76ers do? Well, now we know Joel Embiid has his surgery. He will be reevaluated in four weeks. That's pretty much all we know, that he will get reevaluated in four weeks. If you listen to what the doctors are saying, not the doctors who treated him, but the doctors are basically saying this could range anywhere from six to eight weeks. So I was looking. Let's say worst case scenario, Joel is out for eight weeks. That means he comes back the first week of April. 
playoffs start April 20th in the NBA. If he comes back the first week of April, eight weeks, he would get seven regular season games, and then the playoffs would start. I'm just not sure how I feel about it. And I said it yesterday on the show, and we'll talk to Kayla Santiago, who will be joining the show at 1020. We'll talk to her about her thoughts on this. I just don't see why you rush him back. I don't see why the Sixers would be buyers at the deadline. I know it's being reported. They still are going to be buyers before the deadline. I just don't see why. You're not going to be good enough. I don't see a move out there that the Sixers could make that's going to put them over the hump of getting past the Celtics or the Bucks or even the Knicks, the Pacers in a seven-game series. So some of the reports yesterday, they're interested in Pacers wing Buddy Heald, 31 years old, three-point shooter. There's no denying this team needs to improve their three-point shooting. But what are you going to have to give up? Because if you have to give up significant assets, don't do it. The other guy, Bojan Bogdanovich, the forward from the Pistons, 34 years old, another good three-point shooter. So it makes sense. The names you're hearing, it makes sense. They need shooting on the perimeter. They need better three-point shooting on this team. But don't give up assets that we can use down the road because I still don't think adding Buddy Heald or Bojan Bogdanovic, even a DeMar DeRozan, we've heard his name thrown around, is going to put you over to the top. And I see people in the chat saying maybe they beat the Bucs. Maybe they do beat the Bucs because of Doc Rivers. One in four since Rivers took over. Two blown leads in the fourth quarter. But don't question him. Don't you dare question Doc Rivers. Would you question Popovich? So don't question Doc. He knows what he's doing. Get out of here. But what would they have to give up? You know, Buddy Heald, Bogdanovich, they would be good pieces on this team right now as far as adding that three-point shooting. I just don't know if it puts you over the hump. Does it move the needle enough? that now you rush back Embiid. So we'll see what they have to give up. But one thing I think they have to do, and I don't think it's going to cost a lot, is you, you have to bring in some center depth. You have to. Paul Reed, Mo Bamba, not cutting it. And I like Paul Reed. He's going to play hard. But they may need to bring back an Andre Drummond. You may have to do something. But... I don't know. It's an interesting trade deadline for the 76ers. We'll get Kayla's opinion in a little bit. But I see some people in the chat talking about free agencies right around the corner for the NFL. And we talk, and I see Fran Iardi. I'm still mad about you saying Kelsey should retire, but good morning. So yesterday on the show, I talked about how I'd be okay if Jason Kelsey chose to retire because I'd like to see them put the money it would cost you to pay the most expensive center in the league in Jason Kelsey. I'd rather see you take that money and invest it in our defense. 
And one of the things that keeps coming out, because I posted a video on my social media about this, and make sure you're following. would love to hear from you on social media. You can follow me here on YouTube. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, wherever you are. But one of the things I keep hearing from people, mostly from Jalen Hurts haters, is, well, we wouldn't have to be worried about this if we didn't have a quarterback making $255 million. And that is a complete misunderstanding of the way Jalen Hurts' deal is structured. Because I just went and looked. And this could change because some guys will get extended. Some guys may get cut or traded at the quarterback position. But right now, Jalen Hurts' cap hit in 2024 is 19th. 19th in the NFL for quarterbacks. Even though Jalen Hurts... $255 million contract that everybody wants to keep throwing around, his cap hit next year is only $13.5 million. So listen to this. These are quarterbacks who right now, and again, this could change, but these are quarterbacks right now who have a higher cap hit in 2024 than Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is $13.5 million. Deshaun Watson, cap hit, $64 million. Next year, Dak Prescott, $59.4 million on the final year of his deal. Patrick Mahomes, $57 million. Kyler Murray, $51.8 million. Matt Stafford, $49.5. Daniel Jones, $47 million. Daniel Jones. And then we wonder why the Giants are in the predicament they're in. $47 million for Daniel Jones. Extended him the same time Howie Roseman extended Jalen Hurts. Josh Allen, $47 million. Derek Carr, $35.7 million. Russell Wilson, $35 million. That'll change. He's going to get cut. Lamar Jackson, $32.4 million. Jared Goff, $31.6. Geno Smith, $31.2. Kirk Cousins, this one's the best. $28.5 million, dead cap. He won't be on the Vikings most likely. $28.5 million dead cap. Jimmy G, 27.6. Tua, $23 million. Herbert, 19.3. A-Rod, 17.1. And I see Twiz saying, who cares about the money? Can he lead us to a championship? The point here, Twiz, is that people saying that Jalen Hurts' contract is what's preventing them from being able to build on the defensive side of the football It's his contract that's preventing them from being able to sign Jason Kelsey and all these things. It's not accurate. His cap hit's only $13.5 million. His cap hit this past season was only $6 million. And you hear some of these other cap hits, and it's ridiculous that we're going to blame Jalen Hurts for the reason they can't build. Dak Prescott. $59.4 $59.4 million in the last year of his deal. What's Dallas going to do? Because you know they would love to have extended him and lower that cap hit, but do they have faith in Dak Prescott? Do they want to extend Dak? But Daniel Jones is my favorite. $47 million for Daniel Jones. Absolutely love that. Even Kyler Murray, 52 million. Derek Carr, 35.7. 
Jalen Hurts' contract is not a problem right now. That's not the reason they couldn't build the defense. It's not the reason I'm saying they should let Jason Kelsey retire. And listen, and you look at Jason Kelsey from the human side of this. I'd like to see him retire just because how many more years can this guy do this to his body? And listen, we're all saying he's still playing at an all-pro level. The more you keep coming back and the more you keep pushing it, this could be the year Jason Kelsey takes that big drop. It's going to happen. Father time catches up to everybody. And when you're talking about the center position, this isn't the quarterback. This isn't Tom Brady playing until he's 45 years old. Jason Kelsey is a center. That's going to happen real quick. But we'll see what happens. But when we get back, we're going to be joined by Kayla Santiago. I want to talk to her a lot about the 76ers today. Does a great job covering the Sixers. We'll also do a little Eagles talk with Kayla as well. So again, hit that like button, hit that share button. Make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you're following us on all social media platforms. And we'll be right back with Kayla Santiago. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust. Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go Bird! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go Birds. Get ready for the big game with Underdog Fantasy and sign up right now with your verified account. Use the word WIN when you register. Underdog Fantasy is giving away $1 million in giveaways and Underdog credit on Super Bowl Sunday. And there's a new customer special for anyone that signs up this week for Patrick Mahomes. Get ready for Super Sunday and set up your account right now with Underdog Fantasy and use the word WIN.
GLES Eagles. What's up, everybody, and welcome back into the Philly Sports Power Hour. I'm Bill Calarulo. Appreciate the Power Hour crew here in the chat. I see you engaging at the commercial break. I love it. Going back and forth. And I see you talking about Barbara Carroll telling Sills that Daniel Jones is better than Jalen Hurts. Barb, can't agree with that one. Absolutely cannot agree with that one. But we're going to do a little Sixers talk now. We're going to bring in Kayla Santiago, who joins the show every Wednesday to talk some Sixers. What's up, Kayla? How are you? It's been a rough go around for the Sixers above me. So it's been a really tough time right now. You know, Joel Embiid injured, trying to figure out what they're going to do, if he's even going to be able to come back this season. It's been a whirlwind of crazy emotions, frustration, to say the least, for the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, and if you don't know Kayla, Kayla does a great job covering for Delmarva Sports and also does some blue coat stuff, some play-by-play, some sideline reporting. So really does a great job covering basketball. And we'll get into the Eagles, too, because she does some Eagles. But let's stick with the Sixers today. So Kayla was trying to give away her knee on TikTok (laughs) to Joel Embiid. So we finally get the report. He has the surgery. He's going to be reevaluated in four weeks. What should the Sixers do? Should they try to get him back this season? Would you shut him down for the whole season? What would you do, Kayla? I mean, you look at Joel Embiid and you look at his history and just, you know, how he gets injured, especially when it comes throughout the postseason. He's a big man. The way that he plays, the weight that he puts on his lower body, he's prone to get injured maybe more than some other guards just because he can almost play like a guard out there. And Nikola Jokic later in his career might have the same issues just because as a big man, that's not how you usually play. And you're putting so much pressure on your lower body and so much impact on that as well, just by the way he's able to play. But it's tough because everything in me wants to say, wait until next year, just sit him. But at the same time, if you're able to bring him back, I don't want them to rush him. But if there is a possibility to bring him back for the playoffs, I think you have to do it. And I say that because his ceiling and his prime, we may only have two or three more years of true Joel Embiid, right? And this may be year one of that three. And this team is constructed, I think, to really win now with the pieces they're looking at to get in. So when you say that and you look at the trade deadline, you say, okay, are you going to get pieces that when Joel Embiid comes back, you're going to be able to win now? But not only if he's going to be ready for the playoffs, it also comes into question where is his conditioning going to be? How ready is he going to be able to play basketball? In my mind, to me, the reason they're being so hush-hush about this is because they're planning to shut him down. And I know they said they're going to wait and reevaluate in about a month. But at the same time, I mean, he's getting surgery. If he's able to come back from the playoffs, it may be great. I would love to see it because I don't think that his prime is so much longer. But at the same time, you don't want it to get worse, and you don't want Joel Embiid coming back at 50% either because that's what we've seen every single playoffs, and it doesn't work to any of the Sixers' benefits. And what we know about the Sixers, if you look at their history, they usually err on side of shutting guys down, shutting mm-hmm. them down, even when they probably could have gotten back. But let's assume for a second, let's assume that Joel could make it back six to eight weeks from now, be 100%, and really play at the level he was playing 
in the playoffs. Let's just assume all of that. I know that's a big assumption. What should the Sixers do at the trade deadline tomorrow? What pieces would you like to see them add to try to get over the hump of beating these other teams in the East? You know, it's interesting because everything in me says that if Joel Embiid's going to be okay, maybe you keep Tobias Harris because it feels like Tobias has been able to be an essential part of what they're able to do. But right now it looks like that's the one piece they're willing to ship off. And we've seen conversations, you know, throughout the news right now, maybe it's a Buddy Heel to Bogdan Bogdanovich as well. I think Malcolm Brogdon would be a good piece, but he's too high of an asking price to me. I think you have to give up a lot more than you're willing to if you want Malcolm Brogdon. So I would like a really good guy that can defend out on the perimeter and that can play out on the perimeter. I think Buddy Heald would be a good fit. Now, the only thing that I don't love about Buddy Heald is I wanted him two years ago. You know, he's not the same player that he might have been, but I think he might be able to fit in well, especially with this team that, you know, has these role players like a Kelly Oubre, like a Nick Batum, Pat Bev coming off the bench, like those guys that can really play well. They might be role players, but they know their role and they play it perfectly. And Heald's not going to come in here and try to take over Tyrese Maxey as the number two star. Then you look at down low. I've seen a lot of stuff of Andre Drummond. He's not my favorite piece in the world, but you're going to need somebody right now that can play down low because Mobamba isn't going to be good as a backup guy. B-Ball Paul, he plays some good minutes. He can tend to get in a little bit of foul trouble. You have other guys coming up from the Blue Coats like Kenny Lofton as well. But when you're talking about winning games, the last thing I want the Sixers to do is to kind of fall into that play-in bracket and have to have an elimination game to get into the playoffs because that could seriously happen right now with how this team is constructed. They're not going to be the same with the Joel Embiid, but you need guys that are going to help this team at least win, at least get into a top five seed because you don't want to keep on dropping and dropping. Right now, they just don't know their identity, and I love Tyrese Maxey, but he needs a little bit of help. You're not going to get a big piece, but I do think that you need somebody in the middle. I wouldn't be opposed to getting a guy like Andre Jumet, and I think Buddy Heald would also be a good fit out there on the wing. And you are talking about how this team could easily drop into maybe even the play-in for the playoffs, you look at their history this season without Joel, 4-11. and 11. Now, what I'm trying to make myself feel better about is saying, okay, well, those were when Joel was missing a game here or there, and right. Nick Nurse is a good enough coach that maybe now, knowing Joel's out for at least the next five or six weeks, that they can now switch things up a little bit. No longer is the offense going to run through the big man. Now they run it through Tyrese Maxey. Do you think that we can expect them to win at a higher percentage than they have without Joel so far this season? I don't think so. I think it's going to be really tough because Tyrese Maxey also seems to be a little bit bagged up too. I mean, he's playing out of his mind, but then again, you look at Tyrese and you say, okay, there's other really good defensive guards in the league. And this is the thing, right? There's not a lot of people in this league that can defend a Joel Embiid and a Kola Jokic. There's just not a lot of centers that can really defend. But what there is, there's a lot of good defensive guards out there. And Tyrese Maxey is fantastic. But if he gets caught up, you need another guy that can knock down shots. You need another guy in there that can drive and not be afraid of the drive. And I really like these role players on the Sixers team, and we've talked about it all season long. But I like those role players with the double duo of Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey, not just Tyrese. And this is no knock on Tyrese at all. I think he's a fantastic player. I love what I see. But Tyrese is so good on the pick and roll. He's so good with a good big man. And whether maybe you try to get B-ball Paul as in Paul Reed 
in those situations. But Paul Reed's just not as big as Joel. He doesn't have as much space down low. You know, you look at the plus minus numbers as well. Paul Reed can do well on the offensive side, but defensively, you're just missing a huge presence in the middle so far. So I don't think that it's going to be as bad as that stat you just mentioned, but I definitely think, I mean, you're already seeing it. They're going to get used to not having Joel Embiid at some point, but they're not going to be as impactful. You're playing a lot of tough teams in the East. You look at the West right now as well. They're tough teams as well. I mean, the matchups that you have, you're going to need other guys in there, and I think it's going to be tough without Joel Embiid. You just need a bigger presence in the middle. And you mentioned Buddy Heald earlier. If you had your choice between Heald and Bogdanovich, who would you like to see them get? I would say Buddy Heald. I've been a huge fan of Buddy Heald ever since college. I love his game. I love how he plays. And not just because I like him as a player, but I've been wanting him to be a part of the Sixers team for a really long time. They've needed a perimeter defense forever, as long as I can remember, you know, ever going back to the process days as well. So I think he brings that in. I also just think that he's another role guy. But I think, you know, you look at the Sixers right now, right? You look at Tyrese Maxey, Joel Embiid, and then Kelly Oubre and all them are kind of down here. I think Buddy Heel kind of fits in that in-between a little bit. I think he's better than Kelly Oubre and all those guys. I don't think he's a Tyrese Maxey, but I think he can give you more just as a role player. Now the question is going to be, you're pretty much probably going to have to give up Tobias Harris, and Bogdan might come in that deal as well if you're giving up Toby and maybe a pick. you know. But if I had a pick, I would go Heel for sure. Now Philly007 says, I'd choose Malcolm Brogdon. And Kayla said earlier she would too. She just thinks the yeah. asking price is going to be too high, right, Kayla? Yeah, I think I saw something where next year he's going to be owed like $25 million or something like that, like a crazy asking price. So you're going to spend a lot of money trying to get Malcolm Brogdon. Not that Tobias Harris isn't a lot of money. And I love Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, we've seen him in his career come off the bench and be effective. We've seen him in the starting lineup. He's a great defender. He can really shoot the three as well. Listen, I would take him too, trust me. But I just think with the price you're willing to pay, you're going to give up way too much from Malcolm Brogdon. And if Joel Embiid is going to come back, you need that depth in the playoffs. That's really going to prove them well. And it's going to be a core part to this team that's going to be able to do well when Joel's trying to come back into the lineup and trying to get used to the pace of play once again this year. And the other name that's been floated reportedly that the Sixers are interested in is DeMar DeRozan. Six-time All-Star play obviously starting to decline a little bit. Is that because of the surrounding cast or is it because he's 34 years old? What do you think about DeMar DeRozan on this Sixers team? I love DeMar DeRozan. He has been one of my favorite players in this league for a really long time. I, I don't think he's a good fit, though. And I really hate to say that because I love the player that he is. I think unless you're able to get him for absolutely nothing, okay, then maybe bring him in. But I just... When you look at DeMar DeRozan right now, you look at the injury history as well. You look at his age. Yes, I get it. The Sixers are in win-now mode, and maybe DeMar will be a good piece for this year. But at the same time, I just think there's better options out there right now. I think there's younger talent that can really provide this team well. DeMar DeRozan, you know, I think that he would be good coming in, especially in the absence of Joel. But when you have Joel Embiid back, I don't think that he's really going to be a key piece to this team. And you look at it and you say, okay, well, you need help without Joel. You need to win games. But listen, if Joel doesn't come back, DeMar DeRozan and Tyrese Maxey aren't taking this team to an NBA championship. They need Joel Embiid to do that. So I do like DeMar DeRozan. I understand what people are thinking of in the win-now mode, but I just think there's a younger guards out there that you can go and get for a lower asking price, and that can give you a little bit more of a longevity. So here's been my position, and before you joined the show, we were talking about it. Um, 
Sorry, I put that up again. Before you join the show, we were talking about it, that I look at the East right now, and I look at this 76ers team. And even if they brought in a Buddy Heald or a Bojanovic or DeMar DeRozan, even if Joel Embiid comes back at 100% and plays at the level he was playing, I don't think they beat the Boston Celtics in a seven-game series. I think they'd have a hard time against the Milwaukee Bucks. Maybe now with Doc Rivers as their coach, it helps us. I think they have a hard time against Cleveland, a hard time against the Knicks, a hard time against the Pacers. Who knows with the Heat, they always turn it up a notch as well. So I look at the Eastern Conference, and I'm thinking to myself, why do anything at the trade deadline right now? Because even if Joel comes back, and even if you get any of the guys that are being discussed, I don't think you beat these teams to get to an NBA championship, and I don't care about winning one round in the playoffs. I want to see them get back to a championship. So what do you think about that mentality? I think they have a better chance than a lot of people think. And I say that because you look at how the East is constructed right now. I mean, Boston clearly is the team to be. I do not want to face the Knicks in the first round either because Jalen Brunson's just playing out of his mind. By the way, the Sixers have passed up on so many good Villanova guys that it continuously grinds my gears 24-7. I can't stand it. But, you know, I think the Knicks are also a young team that lack a little bit of experience as well in the playoffs. Miami Heat, I'm not really worried about them. Jimmy Butler has been so banged up, and I understand that he's Jimmy Butler, and he's a fantastic player. But the Heat, to me, they just don't have the team that I think is going to make a big push like they did a season ago. You know, you look at the Indiana Pacers, yes, I think that they're good, but once again, they lack experience. So I think you go into this and you say, okay, clearly Boston is the team to beat right now. And I look at the Sixers. If Joel Embiid is healthy, we're talking about a healthy Joel Embiid that can get some run before the playoffs, this dude scored 70 points this season. He has been on fire, playing in an MVP level, right? Tyrese Maxey is really looking like a superstar at this point of the season right now as well. You combine those two and some really good role players, not only that, but depth, it's something they've never had in the playoffs. And listen, this is not a team that we came in the season saying they're going to win, they're going to go to the NBA championship. And that's why I think this team has the best chance because – there's no pressure on them this year. There's no pressure when they had Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, J.J. Redick. There's no pressure when they got out Horford and everybody thought they would be a fantastic team. There's just not. And they have depth, which is something that the Boston Celtics, the Milwaukee Bucks, and these other teams just don't have. And it's really good depth as well. And you look at a guy like Pat Bev coming off the bench who knows how to win, who wants to win. I think they have a good shot. Now, I don't think that they're going to go to the NBA championship. I think the Boston Celtics – are still the team to beat, but I think the Sixers can get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Fingers crossed they don't meet up with Boston in the second round. The thing also, and I know everybody's going to call me crazy and say, well, it's the NBA. A coach doesn't matter. Look at what Doc Rivers is doing with the Bucks right now. A coach matters, okay? And I think that Doc Rivers is probably going to be the worst thing that happens to Milwaukee. Don't you question him, I don't think him, they're going to do well. I am going to question him. Don't and the fact that he's the coach for the All-Star game <laughs> – is absolutely insane to me. I saw that, and I was like... Would you say that about Popovich? Would you? No, I love Pop, but I think Pop is a much better coach, and he's proven that he's been able to do a lot more, to me at least. But Doc Rivers, you go to the All-Star game, you say, okay, well, they didn't want it to be a joke, and now it's even more of a joke because he's the head coach. So you look at it, and listen, I think that they can win. I think they can get to the Eastern Conference. I'm not saying they're going to be NBA champions, but I think they get further if they have a healthy Joel Embiid. And depth matters a good coach matters nick nurse knows how to coach and to kind of wrap that comment all up nick nurse look at that raptors team they had a superstar in Kawhi leonard they had a star in pascal siakam 
they had really good role players. You look at Fred Van Vliet on that team as well, and other guys, Marcus Saul in the middle. They had really, really good role players, and that's how they won. Nick Nurse, that's a team you have now. Now we don't have a Fred Van Vliet, but you have a Pat Bev coming off the bench, right? If you can get in a good piece of the trade deadline as a role player, that's who Nick Nurse knows how to coach to excellence, and that's what the Sixers could do. And I see Smiley in the chat talking about how playoff Jimmy is different, talking about Jimmy Butler. for He is. He is. (laughs) You think he's got it in him again? Uh, I don't know. He's been so bagged up this year. I don't ever want to doubt Jimmy Butler, though, because that guy, I think out of anybody in the league right now, deserves an NBA championship. I mean, he works so hard. He hasn't won it yet. But, you know, you look at the other teams in the East, I just think there's a lot of teams that are better right now. I look at the Celtics, I look at the Bucks, I look at the Pacers, I look at all these other teams. I just think the Heat don't have enough this year. I don't think it's just going to be Jimmy Butler. They need more. And as good as Bam is, I don't think it's going to cut it for them, especially if Joel is healthy and come back for the Sixers. Uh, and I agree with everything you're saying about Nick Nurse. He is a good coach. I do think that adds a little bit of a level up for the 76ers, but I'm looking forward to next season. I don't think the Sixers are doing anything. I don't think they're going anywhere. I'd be shocked. Just like you, if Embiid even comes back, it sounds like the fact that the news we are hearing, they're probably going to shut him down. So let me ask you, this offseason, pretty much everybody's a free agent on this Sixers team, finally going to have a ton of flexibility. Is there any big whale you want them to go after? Any big free agent that we know is coming this summer that maybe the Sixers should try to go after? Uh Uh-oh, did we lose Kayla? I think I lost you on YouTube. Hold on. Sit tight, Kayla, because she can still hear me on TikTok. We're going to try to bring you back on on, uh, on YouTube. So I, I can still see her on TikTok because we're doing that as well. But exit out of YouTube and then come back in because I want to talk to you about this. I want, want the answer to that question. Let's see. It should work now. It looks like my Wi-Fi for some reason went out for one moment. Can you so hear I got me now? You. I have you on YouTube, but no picture. Let's try it one more time. <laughs> try to uh, maybe exit out and come back in on uh, on YouTube because I need to hear her answer. Who she wants to go after this summer? The big whale. So she's coming back in. But yeah, so. Michaela makes some good points when she talks about Nick Nurse being a great coach. He is, but there's just so much you can do with the assets that you have. So here she is. Sorry, Kayla. Right, yeah, there sometimes we go. <laughs> the beauty of doing a live show over the internet is sometimes you have some technical difficulties. So did you hear my question about who would you want them to go after this offseason? I did. I think there's a lot of ooh, there's a lot of pieces that you could look at. I mean. You look at Tobias Harris, you're probably shipping him off maybe even before the offseason. Um, you know, you look at a lot of different guys. There's so many free agents out there. It's tough to say. I mean, I really want a third piece for the Sixers, and I would love to see them. I always say Jimmy Butler is one of my favorite guys that I look after, but he doesn't want to leave Miami. There were some rumors that he might want to. You love a guy like Jalen Brunson, but he's not leaving New York. So, you know, I want a guy that's going to come in and make an impact but not really change the chemistry. I think you really need a shooter. I think you really need a guy that's going to be able to defend and shoot. You look back to 
a team like the Raptors in that 2018-2019 season, a guy like Danny Green that was really able to shoot well and also defend, I think they need to get somebody like that that can play at a high clip. I go back to Mikael Bridges. I know that Brooklyn's not going to ship him off, but you need somebody that can do a little bit of both because I think right now what they're missing is consistent shooting. And I think that's something they've always been missing. And I think this league, especially, you look at it and you say, okay, well, who do you want to get? And shooting is always kind of pushed to the back burner. I also would take a look at a guy like Malcolm Brogdon next year, too. I know he's going to be owed a lot of money, but if you're going to be able to free up so much money, I mean, why not go after it? We could see a really big and different Sixers team next year. Yeah, and it figures for the Sixers. Philly 007 says, are there even any big names this free agency? The one year the Sixers do have all this flexibility. There's not. There's not not (laughs) any big whales to go after in the free agent market, but you never know. Maybe they could put together a a big package for a trade. But let's jump over. I want to do a little Eagles and Super Bowl talk before you got to run. So how are you feeling right now about this Philadelphia Eagles team as the coaching staff is starting to take shape? We know the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator. We now know the quarterbacks coach, some of the other position coaches on the defensive side of the football. How are you feeling about that? I like it. I think the coaches, you know, the one thing that we've gone back and forth about is if Nick Sirianni is going to say, stay, you need to bring in experience on both coordinator sides. They were able to do that. I think that I'm excited. You know, you look at this team right now and there's still a lot of missing pieces, but I just want to see Jalen Hurts play back to Jalen Hurts and play his way. Last year, we just didn't see that. We saw a glimpse of it. And the thing about Jalen is he wanted to win so bad that I feel like that he was doing stuff that was just out of what Jalen can do. And I'm not saying as a quarterback in your career, you don't want to play out of your comfort zone sometimes and try to figure out, you know, where your limits are, where you can play. He's still a really young quarterback. But last year, I mean, just having a completely empty backfield and having him drop back and throw. Come on, Jalen is so much more talented than that. Bring back the old-fashioned RPO. He can run the ball. He can pass the ball. And I want to go to the AFC Championship real quick because Jalen and Lamar, they really play like each other, in my opinion. The one thing that the Ravens did not do in that AFC Championship game is Lamar barely, barely ran the ball. And I'm sick and tired of analytics and these coaches kind of looking at it and saying, oh, well, everybody's saying that he can't throw the ball, so he's not a true quarterback. Look at the league right now. I mean, Pat Mahomes is going to be one of the greatest to ever do it when it's all said and done. And he can do both. He can do a little bit of everything. So when you're taking away the run, you're taking away that weapon of a guy being able to really utilize everything that he can do with what makes him so dangerous. And I bring that point up because they did that with Lamar Jackson. And I think that's a big reason why that they lost that AFC championship game. So you go back to Jalen Hurts. I need them to utilize him how he needs to be utilized. He can run the ball. He can pass the ball, but also he can do a little bit of RPO. He can fake hand it off and have your running back go down the field and run it, right? So I want to see a little bit more of that, and I think that we are. Brian Johnson, you know, I feel bad putting all the blame on him, but he was a new guy coming in, kind of listening to what Nick Sirianni was saying. I think this year there's going to be a little bit different change in everything that we see, and I'm excited for it. I hope they don't let us down. I'm going to ask you a question that, I talked a little bit about yesterday. I talked a little bit about it on my radio show on Sunday. And some fans agree, but other fans get really upset when I say this. Jason Kelsey was the highest paid center in the league last season. A lot of people want him to come back. They don't want him to retire because he's still playing at an all-pro level. My position on it, as much as I love Jason Kelsey, he's an absolute legend. He should always be a legend in this town. I don't think this team 
the way they are constructed right now with this roster, has the luxury of paying a center as much money as they would have to pay Jason Kelsey. He had over $10 million cap hit last year. So for me, I'm saying, Jason, enjoy retirement, my man. We will love you forever. You're a legend. You brought us a Super Bowl. You delivered the greatest speech in franchise (laughs) history, maybe Philadelphia sports history, but enjoy retirement. What do you think? Do you want him back next year? I have to disagree on that, and I say that because it's something that Joe Buck said at the end of the broadcast, that Jason Kelsey still has a lot of playing time left in him. I mean, this guy is playing at the best in his career as a Hall of Famer, but it's up to Jason Kelsey if he wants to play, if he wants to put his body on the line yet. And, you know, in the documentary, Kylie Kelsey said, I just want him to get to a point in his career where he can still sit down on the floor and play with our kids and not be in excruciating pain. So, you know, I think Jason Kelsey is going to take that into account and just be like, how much more can my body take? Can I stay healthy? Can I do a lot of different things? But can I also, you know, go home and play with my kids and not be in so much pain? Even if I don't get a crazy injury, am I just going to be in so much pain for playing the game of football for so long? But you know, and I agree with Philly 007 there. I don't really trust anybody to take his spot over, and I get it. He owes a lot of money, and I understand that you want to pay other places and that you need other things. Jason Kelsey, though, is still playing at a Hall of Fame-type level career right now, and I understand that he might want to retire, but it's not because he can't play the game of football. And I look at guys like BG and Fletcher Cox. As much as I love those guys – I would walk away from them because you look at them and you say, okay, well, they're not at the prime of their careers. Maybe you bring a guy like BG back, but Fletcher Cox definitely is not at the prime of his career right now. I think you can let him go. Jason Kelsey is, and he only might not want to play because he might want to walk away from the game of football. That's a him decision. He can still play top notch in his career. I think you have to bring him back if he wants to come back because guess what? Who do you need to protect? You need to protect that guy, Jalen Hurts, that you've invested so much time, so much money, and so much into. And Jason Kelsey, that starts with him. And I think you just have to bring him back, in my opinion. I get it's a lot of money, and I know the numbers don't look in his favor and look in the Eagles' favor for that cap hit, but this guy's a Hall of Famer, and he hasn't shown that he has regressed in any type of way, in my opinion. So, and here's why I just disagree because, and I see people on TikTok saying bad take. I've had some people, I posted a video on Instagram yesterday coming after me is if you put the emotion aside, which is what we have to do. If you put the emotion aside, remove the name Jason Kelsey for a second. If this off season hit and you heard that with all the needs, the Philadelphia Eagles had, they went out and they signed the highest paid center in the league. I think people would lose their mind. If they didn't pay a linebacker and didn't pay a safety and didn't bring in some edge rusher help and didn't get some corner help, didn't bring in an upgrade at wide receiver three, but they went out and they signed the highest paid center in the league, I think people would have a problem with it. And I think our judgment is being clouded because we love Jason Kelsey. I love him too. But I don't think that we have the luxury when you look at this roster to pay the center that much money. There's a reason why. Centers aren't first-round draft picks. Left tackles are, corners are, wide receivers are, quarterbacks are. But I just think if you look at this roster, and again, this isn't anything against Jason Kelsey. I just think we are making decisions with emotion, and that's how we get ourselves in trouble. 
But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I have to. We this might be the first time we disagree on a take here. I get what you're saying though, too. I think that it's a big thing for you know to look at that, and I understand that he's a center, but he is one of the best in the league right now, still, if not still the best. And it's just all about protection to me. You're telling me I get you can go get a linebacker, you can go get a guy from the safeties that you need, corner, whatever you might need. You take Jason Kelsey out of there, my biggest worry now is, is Jalen Hurts going to remain healthy? I get that he's one guy, but this guy can still double-team some of the best in the league on the defensive line on the other side. I mean, and the combination of Lane Johnson and him too, Jason Kelsey is going to be tough to replace. I think you can replace a guy like that when you have somebody behind him ready to go. But right now, to me, you just don't. And then you start to worry, okay, your biggest centerpiece that you need is Jalen Hurts, and if he's injured – if Jalen Hurts gets injured this year, I mean, anybody you get on the defensive side of the ball is just going to be, okay, we'll wait until next season. That's how I look at it. But I get what you're saying, too. You do need other pieces. Is how even going to go look at a good linebacker? Probably not. But there's definitely other needs for this team as well. Yeah, It's just frustrating, and we'll move on from Kelsey. It's just frustrating because they did use a second-round draft pick on Cam Jurgens. This is right. the reason they use that second-round draft pick. So I think you need to move on. We need to get younger, and we have to put that money elsewhere. But before we get you out of here, big game on Sunday. <laughs> Some of you may have heard it's Super Bowl Sunday. I know you hate the 49ers just as much as I hate the 49ers, and they're not doing themselves any favors being liked in this town with Debo Samuel now coming out again talking about the Eagles. But who do you like in this game? Who do you have winning on Sunday? <sighs> This is not just because I hate the 49ers, but I'm going to go Kansas City. And I say that because the 49ers, to me, in their NFC playoff play, they kind of just barely won games. They went down to the wire with the Packers and the Lions. And for me, I mean, to me, the best team in football going into the playoffs was the Baltimore Ravens. And the Chiefs looked like the Ravens should have been a first-round exit at that point. I mean, technically they were from that standpoint, but – you look at that Ravens team and you say, okay, they were so talented. They had so much. I get Mark Andrews was a little bit banged up as well. But when you look at it, to me, I think the Chiefs beat the best team in football in the Baltimore Ravens. And for the 49ers, they just won games. They barely won games by the skin of their teeth. I think the Chiefs, with the experience, they go to the Super Bowl this year and win it if they don't. I'm going to be really frustrated. I don't want to, I don't know which way to look because if the Chiefs win, the only thing I'm going to see on my timeline is Taylor Swift. If the 49ers win, all I'm going to see on my timeline is then counting out the Eagles. These are two teams that I just did not want to see in the Super Bowl either. Like to me, I'm kind of more excited to see Usher at this point because these two teams were the last ones I wanted to see play in the Super Bowl on Sunday. But I'm going to go Kansas City. I think, to me, they just showed that in the AFC playoffs that they were really able to win games against the top teams in the NFL. The 49ers barely just got by in the NFC playoffs. They showed they could win. It's going to be a battle, but with the experience, with the wins they were able to have. And, oh, by the way, the Chiefs, they got hot at the right time. People doubted them, and all of a sudden, they're beating the best team in football in the Baltimore Ravens. So I'm taking Big Red, and I'm going Kansas City this weekend. I think I agree with you. I'll, I'll do my official prediction on Friday's show, but how do you – how do you bet against Big Red and Patrick Mahomes? And I don't know if you like Dave Portnoy, but Portnoy posted a video after the Chiefs beat the Ravens in the AFC Championship game. And Portnoy's a big Patriots fan and said, basically, the Chiefs have become the Patriots. Oh, and yeah. I understand what he's saying, too, is like, even if they don't play well, maybe all season long, 
They just find ways to win these games. They have Travis Kelsey, like the Pats had Gronkowski. Patriots had Brady. Chiefs have Mahomes. Patriots had Belichick. The Chiefs have Andy Reid. You know, they just find ways to keep winning football games. So, yeah, I'm rooting for the Chiefs. There's no way I'm rooting for the 49ers. And I see some 49ers trolls in the chat (laughs) trying to make excuses for Debo. Debo can't stop talking trash. But, Kayla, I appreciate you always making time for us on Wednesdays. I know the people in the chat love it. And they're saying your takes are better than mine today. (laughs) Side of My Power Hour crew has not been very happy with me lately because – I was all for Nick Sirianni coming back, and now I'm saying I think they should move on from Jason Kelsey. So they like you a lot better than me right now, Kayla. It's okay. We've all got our takes. You got the knowledge to back it up. So it was a fun little debate, though, today. I mean, there's a lot, you know, that's going to unfold in this offseason, what's going to happen. I hope they keep him, like I said. And, you know, there's a lot to debate about the Sixers, too. Next week we'll be talking trade deadlines. So it's it's going to be a crazy, you know, six, seven days, but we'll see what unfolds in that time. Awesome. Well, make sure you're following Kayla. You can follow her here on TikTok. For those of you who are on TikTok, you can follow her on Twitter, Facebook, everywhere. Does a great job for Delmarva Sports and also covering the Delaware Bluecoats. Kayla, have a great week. We'll talk next week. You as well. Thank you. Have a good one. Kayla Santiago always does a great job, knows her Sixers, knows her Eagles. And I see you people in the chat talking about how she's the best guest we have. So appreciate the kind words. I know Kayla does as well. And I see you coming at me about this Jason Kelsey take. And trust me, I love Jason Kelsey just as much as everybody else. I just think if you remove the name, you take Jason Kelsey's name off of what we're talking about. And I told you that Howie Roseman went out and he paid a center more than any other team paid a center in the NFL, we would say to ourselves, really? With all the other needs? With all the other needs on defense? We're going to go and we're going to pay the center position that much money? Come on. You got to be honest with yourselves. You have to put that emotion aside. Can't wait for Bill's takes. Hold on, I'm seeing this here. Senor football. Can't wait for Bill's takes saying Jalen Hurts need to be cut, trade, retired too. I don't think so, man. I'm a big Jalen Hurts fan. I've been a big Jalen Hurts fan since he came into the league. I think what you saw this year is the exception, not the norm. We've seen this guy get better every year at college. He got better from his rookie season to his second season, his first season as a starter. Then you saw him get even better last year in 2022. I think what you saw this year was less about Jalen Hurts and more about that offense, the scheme. I think you're going to see Jalen Hurts have a great season under Kellen Moore. And I think we all forget Jalen Hurts was the odds-on favorite to win the MVP 12 weeks through the season. I mean, I know it wasn't pretty at the end. I know Jalen Hurts didn't have as great of a season as we all wanted him to have, but when we sit here and we act like Jalen Hurts had this horrible year, it's just not true. It's just not. 12 weeks in, he was the odds-on favorite to win the MVP. More than Patrick Mahomes, more than Brock Purdy, more than Dak Prescott, more than Lamar. So I think we need to ease up on the Jalen Hurts hate. But like we end every Philly Sports Power Hour with a little Today in Sports History. February 7th, 1949, Joe DiMaggio became the first 
$100,000 player. The first player ever to make $100,000 a year for the New York Yankees. And you look at the contracts now in baseball. Joe DiMaggio, first $100,000 a year. And a bonus, there's another one. Today is the one-year anniversary of when LeBron James passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the most points in a career in NBA history, 38,387. Obviously, that record continues to grow as LeBron continues to play. But that's our Today in Sports History, and that is also today's Philly Sports Power Hour. But before we go, one final thing, because we have a couple minutes, is did anybody see Asante Samuel give an interview yesterday talking about, on a podcast, how the Philadelphia Eagles would have won a lot more Super Bowls and would have won Super Bowls under Andy Reid if he would have not babied Donovan McNabb as much. First of all, Asante Samuel. We're talking 13, 14 years ago. And really, Asante Samuel, I loved Asante. He was good when it came to intercepting the ball. But this was a guy who wouldn't put his wouldn't put his shoulder pads in for a tackle. And you're going to talk about how they baby Donovan McNabb and Andy Reid didn't hold Donovan McNabb accountable. Come on, man. 13 years later now, maybe even longer, 15 years, he was talking about how they would have won the 2008 NFC Championship game against Arizona if Andy Reid would have held Donovan McNabb more accountable. I'm not, come on. I'm not buying that. Look, was McNabb the perfect quarterback? No. But did Andy Reid baby him? Does that sound like Andy Reid? Babying McNabb? I'm not buying it. But appreciate everybody. Appreciate the Power Hour crew. Like I said, make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Make sure you're following on all social media platforms. We will be back here tomorrow at 10 o'clock with hopefully our Thursdays with Farzee, Mark Farzetta, joining the show like he does every Thursday. So make sure you're following. I'll see everybody tomorrow, 10 o'clock, right here on the Philly Sports Power Hour. And as always, go Birds. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.